Hi folks, I'm Alan Watts and this is Cutting Through the Matrix on the 2nd of January 2013. For newcomers, as always, I hope you make good use of the website cuttingthroughthematrix.com. There's well over a thousand audios for download for free. And I go through the big system you're born into, explain how it came to be about. I go across the foundations and organizations, the big clubs that own it, in fact, set it up and own it, and and their intentions of taking the world over, basically, and running it properly on their own behalf, of course. And really, we're all down to renewable resources. That's what humanity happens to be. We're classified amongst trees and everything else, and we're quite cheap, actually, to, to, to maintain. And uh, the big boys simply are going for the whole planet now, all the resources, food, water, everything. And they pretty well own it all because, after all, they own all the governments and they put them in place for you. And uh, they solidify them in your mind as though it's all real by repetition, repetition. And really, a government really is just a fiction. It's just an idea. That's all government really is, you know. And you have to go along with it for it to exist. It's very, very simple. And the trick they've used for so long now is to use authority and authoritarian reports from newscasts and so on to make it more real and solidified in your minds. But it's just an idea, remember, like money's an idea, as like a price is an idea as well. So always remember that when you hear all the bad news, that all these governments and so on, all the parasites and multi-layered governmental officials that are adding all the time to them are nothing but their own idea and using massive propaganda to make you believe it's all ex- exceptionally real. And uh, remember, too, that you are the audience that bring me to you. You can keep me going by buying the books and discs at cuttingthroughthematrix.com. And you can... Uh, Purchase them from the U.S. to Canada by using personal check or international postal money order, or you can send cash or use PayPal. And across the world, get Western Union MoneyGram and PayPal. Remember, straight donations are really, really awfully welcome in these austere times, as it's called. And I hope you all had a good Christmas and a happy new year as well. And talking about happy new years as well, and the cons that go on incessantly, because you see, we're run by nothing but cons. And incredible lies that are all um, at the top. They, they come to consensus. They're called consensus builders. And some of the foundations, the fronts for the big international private bankers, actually have found, uh, foundations that just do nothing but build consensus between countries, NGOs, and other foundations. So they're all on board together to get things through, always lying to the public about the real intentions and the reasons for them. But weather, of course, weather is, is one of the big one of the ones they're using right now and uh, blaming us all for for uh, carbon, etc. It's all our fault, apparently, as these, uh, what can you call them? They're bar stewards, you know, these characters, who get stinking rich off you because you're the herd, you understand. You're a herd. And since most ancient times, those who dealt with money were called the good shepherds. And they run the world now, these good shepherds, you see. And it's awfully good for them, that is, as we all go under with their fictitious money scams. And it all is truly fiction, 
really is. Today's money is all fiction. But Greenland, for instance, ended the year with some of the coldest weathers ever recorded, it says, in these times of global warming. And it says on December 29th, they hit seven, minus 78 Fahrenheit, five degrees above the coldest temperature ever recorded there. This is NASA's only interest in a couple of days during the summer when temperatures got barely above freezing for a couple of hours. But it doesn't matter, you understand, because Richard Haas and all the kin he's got at the Council on Foreign Relations uh, must get this, this scam through because it's going to break in trillions for them, trillions and trillions from across the planet, and control us all into austerity and poverty. As proper sheep should be, you see. Because that's how they see us as sheep. Back with more after this break. Hi folks, I'm back, cutting through the matrix. And you understand that war takes many, many forms. And they all work together. Different types of warfare all work together from soft wars, uh, psychological wars, into hard wars and, and hardware wars as well. So it, it goes on all the time because you're run by a dominant minority. And a dominant minority has to take out the last of the resisting countries, the countries that didn't adapt to central banking systems and so on. Because the world is to be standardized so that they can rule it properly, you see. For themselves, that is. And that means destroying all cultures as well. Culture war is an awful big one because it's not an intention of bringing in new cultures to countries like they did with Britain and then telling them to adapt into the system. They did it one time, but then they changed it to, no, keep your cultures. And so you've got these little segregated, segregated ghettos all over all the major cities. This was done intentionally. And they end up really having skirmishes, and the government loves that kind of stuff because then government can bring more laws out and more laws out to control everybody, you see. Very simple. Been used many times, even thousands of years ago. And by money boys then too. So there's many ways to do it, as I say. And money is one of the biggest ones there is to take down countries. And um, even Pakistan is going to the International Monetary Fund to seek a fresh bailout. Now, Pakistan, of course, is on this, this so-called enemies list, and mainly because they, they're still a Muslim country. And all Muslim countries have to be abolished, basically. Uh, and that's how they're using this, because Muslims have an enemy, and it's not Americans and, and British, but they have an enemy, a uh, traditional enemy, apparently. And um, they have to be taken out and put into the standardized system. And then the Western culture, which isn't Western culture, it was, always, it was also given to you by a minority, um, it was to be imposed there. Then they'll have lots of prostitution, they'll have lots of abortions, and all their old culture will just go by the wayside. That's how you destroy countries. It's very simple to do when you own the system. And the system everywhere in the first world countries is completely owned. All your media is owned. All your entertainment is owned by the same minority. Who know how to take you down? Because you imitate what you see. And the children especially are very, very easily influenced and they copy the same attitudes, etc. This is put across to them. Very simple stuff. And here's an article that ties in with it to an extent. Anyway, it says, How to Win the War for Your Mind. And it goes on about the usual kind of stuff, about how they teach uh, this kind of stuff to, to the powers that be. 
But it also mentions uh, tricks to defend yourself and against the psychological attacks. As with any method of self-defense, constant training is required. For the past century, at least in the United States, a subversive and secret cold war has been waged against the people in the form of psychological subjugation. This cold war is designed to weaken our resolve, the heritage, it's your culture and everything, your self-belief, our uh, confidence and our integrity in preparation for a hot war against our time-honored constitutional rights. Well, remember, I put up this up years ago, the CFR itself is an article in Foreign Affairs magazine where one of the top special people uh, wrote about going running rings around the Constitution rather than just hitting it head on and having a backlash. They would just run rings around it or superstructures over it and, and get what they wanted that way. And they've been doing that all along too. And it says, the power elite know well that the most effective strategy for victory in any battle is to convince your enemy to surrender before the fight even begins. Today, the American populace is being conditioned to lie down and die a mental death, to give up the inner war, so that when the outer war comes, they will already be defeated. Now, I should add to this, too, that a lot of this is also done by bringing in depressions, you know, financial depressions. And money game is, is just that. It's a money game. It's a con job. They make money out of nothing at the top. It's so important that their victims believe it's all real. And you think it is because you can swap that dollar for a few caramels or something. And, uh, of course, it always gets inflated. Inflated meaning it's devalued and devalued all the time. And when you go for your pay raise at the beginning of the year and you get extra numbers at the end of it, the, 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 the amount that you're given, you think, you're, oh, you're winning. No, you're not winning because everybody else puts their prices up at the same time too. You're actually going backwards. If you look at the last uh, uh, wages for the last 20, 30 years, Canada, states, and so on, they've been going backwards. So money controls everything. And mind you, governments could, if people got real governments in, which they haven't done for a long, long time, then they could easily start making their own money and selling it to the banks like they used to do in the Bank of Canada. And that way it's created debt-free to start with. And no country should be in the business of being a banker itself and lending to other countries either. It's got nothing to do with your nation. And even Jefferson said the same thing, that uh, any generation born with a, a, a standing debt already there from a previous generation are de facto slaves. And you must never forget that. This is a slavery system. And the, the boys who rule it are, have been in the slave business for thousands of years. I hope you understand that too. Nothing new to them. There's, not trick, there's no trick they haven't learned. You understand? It says, corrupt governments will rely heavily on what they call psyops, which are primarily propaganda initiatives meant to demoralize their target, which is usually the citizenry. In the case of a despotic regime, psyops involve the insinuation of lies, half-truths, threats, and brutality that is choreographed to elicit a very specific reaction. It's used to instigate strong emotional responses en masse that will work in favor of the oligarchy. The following guidelines can shield you from the arrows of deceit, allowing you to maintain control and avoid being unconsciously influenced to labor against your own case. Then it goes on to do not fear hypothetical dangers. Fear is the weapon of choice when it comes to totalitarian proponents. Uh, Conquering armies and bureaucracies are notorious for exaggerating the strength and numbers in order to squelch the fighting spirit of those they intend to rule. Genghis Khan, for instance, used the tactic of exaggerated numbers 
along with vicious genocide to strike terror in regions he had not yet compelled to overtake. Upon his arrival, the Mongol hordes had received such a reputation, some of it fabricated, that many regions surrendered immediately without question. When becoming an activist against a criminal establishment, it's very common to be the target of fear campaigns. Today, those of us in the liberty movement hear warnings from random concerned parties constantly telling us that our efforts are all for nothing, that we are making ourselves targets, that the globalist system is far too strong and far too advanced to be defeated. They have predator drones and NSA databases and soldiers without empathy, etc., etc. Their hope is to make us afraid of hypothetical situations which can neither be confirmed nor denied to make us observe over the odds rather than the objective. In other words, they hope to encourage a state of mass cowardice. To undo this tactic, you must remain focused on your goal regardless of the possible danger. That's to say the strength of the enemy, whether real or fantasy, is irrelevant. It is meaningless. Goliath is nothing but an obstacle, and all obstacles can be dealt with. Move forward towards the objective and never stop. And it's true enough, if you stand up and say, or even get close to saying the truth, you'll have massive smear campaigns. Massive smear campaigns. And even government come in down on top of you, because you're not allowed to say certain things, you see. Because you're, you're occupied, you're, 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 you're all slaves, you see. And it says, don't be distracted by minor inconveniences and personal problems. At the height of the communist power in East Germany, the Stasi secret police deployed a tactic which they called Zersestung, which means to corrode or undermine. It says the policy involves the use of subtle manipulations of a particular person's life in order to interfere with his ability to function normally and participate fully in dissenting activities. The study would send agents to a person's home to arrange items or fake a break-in, often to attempt to create emotional conflicts between the dissident and his wife, family and friends, and to damage business relationships. It's true they make phone calls to the police who work and all these kind of things and start spreading rumors and so on. The purpose was to force the target to divert his attention from his political and social work over to more minor inconveniences. And sometimes to do that, even burn your house down or try to. Personal firestorms, whether engineered by Stasi or by natural conflicts, are destructive only when you give them too much credence and attention. Some people become utterly fixated with their own private soap operas, and this weakens, this weakness is often exploited by government elements. The truth is our home, lives and tensions in them are secondary when it comes to defending our principles and our culture against enslavement and oblivion. Now, the, the part of that is, is very, very true. Is that you, it's not just your culture. It's what you want to keep of your culture or keeping it all together. Because, you see, to conquer people, you must destroy the culture. It makes people very, very strong. A common culture is the biggest problem. And really, uh, all cultures down through history had generally had a main religion, whether you believe in it or not. didn't matter. It united the people, you see. And that's what the big boys fear. And all the writings from the far left, which is also owned as a weapon of the dominant minority, uh, they always talked about the big ideas. Ideas were terrifying to them because they could unite people, you see. And so they weren't scared so much of, of uh, uh, retaliatory action physically. Uh, big ideas that would really spread and take over um, was, was the biggest thing that they ever feared. And, and that's why your culture is <laughs> almost decayed at this particular stage of the game after 50, 60 years of TV and degradation going down the tubes. But it says here, 
It's his family and friends who get in the way or are manipulated into getting in the way should be ignored. And that's true if you're serious about this at all. Uh, you can't be put off by people just falling away from you. Don't be seduced by gifts. This is tyrants love to offer gifts to the populace, especially the onset of the rise to dominance. Maybe the promise of new jobs, better infrastructure, free health care, more food, more safety, or even free cell phones, which also do is offer a lot of people uh, celebrity status because the, it costs a lot to get celebrity status, you understand? So they make stars today, and it costs a fortune. So when they come up and offer you for nothing on certain terms, then most folk take the bait. Sometimes they don't even know they're being used. It can be done so slickly. Because everyone believes in celebrities back after this. Hi folks, we're back cutting through the matrix. Reading an article is quite good about protecting your mind basically for the the war that you, you intend to go into, which is psychological primarily. And it says, do not concern yourself with ridicule. It says, fighting disinformation is vital, but personal pride is not important. Safeguarding our egos is not important. Trying to please everyone all the time is impossible and also not important. Ridicule is used not only to discredit activists, but it's also used to make them question their own resolve. If you cannot be embarrassed or browbeaten, then you cannot be made afraid and you cannot be defeated by mere words. Require your opponents to answer your legitimate questions. Now, see, if they can't get you on what you're saying, because they can't, because what you're saying is the truth, and you've checked it all, you see, then they try to do these ad hominem attacks on you and get, everyone, and, and get other idiots to follow, which they will get idiots to follow, you see. People can't think and reason and use logic. They follow quite easily through uh, emotional tags, you see. Require your opponents to answer legitimate questions, move past their distractions and push the issue of tangibility. Make them produce a legitimate argument. When they cannot and continue to revert to ad hominem attacks, they expose the frailty of their position and you have won. Remember too, a lot of these people are actually paid to do what they do. They won't tell their followers that, they just use the followers. But they get paid to do it. And you won't be the only one they're paid for. It's often this organizations under one name that are meant to do this. We know this from their own government government uh, disclosures. And it goes on to the risks before confronting the enemy and so on. And there are risks, of course. As I say, if you go all the way and say the whole truth, you'll, you'll, you, it's legal. It's not legal to tell the whole truth today. There's an article here too. It says crypto-eugenic media group population control brainwashing a smash hit. And this is interesting. It ties right in with it, you see. I've talked about this many, many times before about brainwashing. And that's all you get through media and entertainment. Entertainment's even better. It's more effective because the people don't know they're getting brainwashed. They think they're getting entertainment and to enjoy themselves. But it says... President of the Population Media Center, Bill Ryerson, recently bragged that its population control brainwashing campaign in developing nations has been a smash hit. Now, that goes back to a perpetual war article I read from the military's own magazine, the U.S. military, where they said that we use the same degenerate culture that has replaced American culture through television. And they would use that as a weapon on other third world countries to destroy their cultures. That's how you must dominate and destroy their cultures. It's so, so obvious. 
and it says the Population Media Center is an American population group producing fictional programs for worldwide dissemination purposes. Its mission is to spread the message of population reduction through works of fiction. Ryerson, the center's president, also heads the Washington-based Population Institute. Both groups are active in the modern-day population movement, striving for worldwide population reduction in the name of the earth. During an interview with Peak Prosperity's Chris Martinson, Ryerson boasted that radio soap operas are the most effective way to cull populations worldwide. And I've got the link for that too. You can hear the guy's interview. I'll put that right tonight too. One of the things that we do, and that is the primary thing we do, is to use a strategy of communications that has turned out from everything we have been able to measure to be the most cost-effective strategy for changing behavior. So it's behavior modification, you see, with regard to family size and contraceptive use on a per-behavior change basis of any strategy we have found on the planet. Rashton explains that the fictional platforms have proven to be successful carriers of the crypto-eugenic message. Use of long-running serialized dramas, melodramas like soap operas, in which characters gradually evolve from the middle of the road in that society into positive role models for daughter ex- education, delaying marriage and childbearing until adulthood, spacing of children, limiting of family size and various other health and social goals of each country. And we have now done such programs in 45 countries. 45 countries. Rasin continues to brag about the center's propaganda campaigns, especially those in Nigeria. It's a program we ran from 2007 to 2009 was listed by a 70% of the pop, was listened to, this is the radio show, of the population at least weekly. It was a twice a week program. It was clearly a smash hit and it was a smash hit because it was highly suspenseful and highly entertaining. But it had a storyline dealing with a couple deciding to use family planning, which is almost taboo in northern Nigeria because less than 10% of the people in that region use any modern method of contraception. We had 11 clinics have, uh, uh, have, have healthcare workers ask clients what motivated them to come in for family planning. 67% of them named the program, the fictional program, as a motivation. And that's just radio. It's used in the West all the time. All of these techniques are used in the West, more so. It says that Ryerson explains the kind of thing we can dramatically change demographic trends globally. We need to greatly expand this type of work. This is a center is heavily sponsored by the corporate and philanthropic elite section of big foundations, again, the banker fronts. On its slick looking website, the center states, contributions from all partnerships with the following organizations have enabled us to do which initiates improved health in, all, in people all around the world while pro- providing engaging entertainment. Their list con- uh, counts me many United Nations organizations amongst its contributors, as well as U.S. aid divisions operating in so-called high-fertility nations. And it's got a whole list of all the UNICEF groups and United Nations groups, so a whole chapter of them basically involved in this. This is in addition to centers to use funding from literally all the major foundations, including the Academy of Television Arts and Sciences Foundation, Bank of America Charitable Gift Fund, the David Rockefeller Fund, Ford Foundation, and the IMF Employees Fund. Now, remember, this is just radio. You've had... 50, 60 years of this stuff on television and your whole culture has been destroyed. Back with more after this break.
You're listening to the Republic Broadcasting Network. Because you can handle the truth. Hi, folks. I'm back cutting through the matrix and carbon taxes, eh? I mean, energy taxes, carbon taxes, and so on. All the big uh, elites plan hinges on more taxes from you. It's to bring you down, you see. Remember what they said at the Club of Rome, the big think tank for the United Nations, they said that uh, back in the 70s that they bring, bring you into a post-industrial, post-consumerist society, which meant austerity, you see. And when your own governments, which are not your own governments, of course, uh, signed the World Trade Organization's various uh, treaties uh, to ship all your, your your manufacturing off to China, and it was all done deliberately. China didn't force their arms to do it. It was all prearranged years and years and years ago. They knew there'd be no work left for anyone else, you see, and they'd bring in this so-called austerity. It'd also create a massive welfare system as, uh, during that that time as well to take care of some of the damage because they didn't want revolution too early, you understand, or backlash from the people. So they postponed it by throwing up credit cards as well, like crazy through the 70s and 80s. Everybody could get them. It doesn't matter if you defaulted on them, they'd give you more. So it was all to get you through that period without uh, too much chaos and too much poverty, being visible at least, and they threw all the, the, the cards out there. But the big one uh, now is, of course, austerity. We're going to austerity and the big, big stick. doesn't matter. Again, remember what a meme is, a meme which becomes a theme, uh, but it really is, is put out there, like me, me, as we like, prefer to say it. But it's, uh, they put this out there, uh, fiscal cliff is a meme, you see. And then they, they track how many people are using the terminology instantly, real time. And what's catching on with the public. Everything out there is weaponized. They have massive panels of, of marketers and specialists and neuroscientists working out these little slogans that you're going to pick up on. And, and it becomes con- concretized in your mind. It becomes physical in your mind. It's an abstract idea. It's nonsense. It's a con as well. It's a con, pure con game, that's all. Because they need all this cash to bring you into austerity. Well, their own banks of the special dominant minority uh, end up craving, getting all the cash coming and flowing into them, and then it eliminates the middle classes. Same with the, middle, the, the fiscal cliff idea. Get rid of the middle classes, you see. Then you have this of the ultra elites and all the peasants down below. For the new world order, this new system, this new organized society run properly the way that, that, that those in academia say it should be. And of course, they're on, on board with it too. Academia was weaponized an awful long time ago. It's completely politicized. Completely politicized. That's its, its goal, is to turn out the next bunch of global managers. They'll dominate you. But Australia put in the carbon tax, as you know, and I'll put this article up, is responsible for damaging 80% of Australian small businesses. Well, you can understand these same characters tried this uh, same thing before World War II came along even and countries in Europe uh, small business was getting put under by big malls opening across especially in Germany in different countries like that doing with the mom and pop stores and then the prices once they put them all under the prices all shot up with the guys who monopolized everything through their massive malls etc they were eventually when the Nazis came and they, they, dis- they actually took them all down and went back to the, mo- the malls and paws because they knew that people who want to keep their own independence um, have to have real competition 
I mean, you've got 10 greengrocers in one, one big long street. It's good that because you keep the prices down. Same with your meat and everything else. So Maggie Thatcher even touched on this. She, she said that the, the, the future would be big corporations only. Small business would be out of the way. And she did her best to destroy all small business. This is the agenda. Same with small farms and everything else. Nothing but corporate farms, you see. That's the that's agenda for the future. Worked out years ago, before you were born. You see, big boys never change their plan. Never ever change their plan. They don't have to change their plans. And then you get into this one here. It's quite interesting. The Council on Foreign Relations. This, again, private organization. It's just an American branch of the Royal Institute for International Affairs. Both private organizations, you see. Uh, and um, they speak on behalf of the elite. They give you all your media through Reuters and so on, and they make sure it's all standardized lies that you get, because all media always lies. Nobody does investigative reporting today. It doesn't happen, you see. But it's very, very important to make sure that you get standardized lies, so you all believe it, you see. And they spent a long, long time trying to convince the public through marketing campaigns how truthful they are. Even in Canada, about 15 years ago, suddenly radio broadcasts and, and, and news broadcasts, your TV news broadcasts, even the government-owned ones in Canada, uh, would, would give you your, your most trusted man in Canada, a guy you'll never meet, who's just a mouthpiece and reads his script on, on his news. And apparently he's very believable to most folk who, who truly watch every night. Every company was at this. Because we see the generation before were very mistrustful of the news. Knowing, you see, in their day that it's always used by the big corporate elites. They owned all the papers, so you always were very suspicious of what they were saying. Not now. People really believe the news. They really do. Never question it. Council on Foreign Relations, anyway. Remember, they're the big, big front pieces to make sure the standardized news gets to you and that all the right books are on the shelves in the stores on the right facts that they're going to give you on history and, and the making and um, predictive history, as it also calls in our term predictive history. In other words, they predict in advance uh, their agenda, where they want to go with it, and they predict it will be written that way in history, looking back. And it, that's actually how it works, in fact. You see, you're run by agendas, and nothing happens by itself. Nothing happens by itself. CFR challenges for global governance in 2013, it says. It says the roundup is a feature of the Council of Councils initiative. They also have on the CFR a special branch called the Council of Councils, whose only job it is is to keep pulse through all their big think tanks and their affiliates and governmental agencies that spy on you to make sure that you're all starting to behave and believe what you're given and behave the appropriate way, you see, for global government. Uh, so the Council of Councils initiative is to get just that. They don't want to call it government. They want to call it governance. It sounds better, you see. And it says, uh, from the Iran nuclear crisis to global economic wars, the upcoming year will pose steadily challenges to international bodies seized with maintaining peace and prosperity. You see? So what they mean by peace is conquering everybody in the planet and prosperity for their bosses that they serve. Experts from four leading think tanks weigh the issue. So here's your think tanks again, you see. And it says Michael Fulove, strange name that, Fulove, I don't think he's in Lebanon at all, of Australia's lowly Institute for International Policy, says China must assume the responsibilities incumbent on a global power. 
but China's vision of stepping up will not be the same as that of the United States. Now, what he's really saying, and they've been saying this for years at the CFR, they have to take over the world as the policemen of the world from the United States. That's what that means. They've said it many times before in the past. That's what that means. This is in addition to the crisis in Syria and Iran's progression towards nuclear capabilities, which, uh, again, President Richard Haas identifies also that is a problem. And Haas has got a great background. You can look at that up too. You'll find commonalities between all of them at the top. Identifies trade, cybersecurity, and climate change as major governance tests. You see? Cybersecurity, that means you're all being spied. Do you understand you're in a, you're in a, 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 a fenceless prison camp. You are. You're in a, a fenceless prison camp of cyber war. They're spying on you on everything. Everything you're doing. Everything you say. And, and again, climate change. They're going to get this climate change thing through to bring on the austerity to make sure they, they bring in a proper, poor population across the world. Then you dominate them very easily with poor people. Very easy to dominate them. And it says here, the Shanghai Institutes for International Studies, Yemin Yang, says governance priorities are strengthened, are strengthening existing institutions. That's all the new ones that have created for carbon taxes and everything else. Forging consensus is a consensus building again between state and non-state actors. That's big corporate international business and NGOs that are also financed by the foundations and harnessing regional efforts in areas like trade into common global action. That's, again, uh, strengthening and bringing the rest of the countries into these three trading blocks that, that Karl Marx talked about would come about in the 1800s. Similarly, Insors Iger Jurgens identifies three issues, the continuing turmoil in the Middle East, environmental concerns, and the growing wealth gap that will have serious implications for global governance, which they know because, see, they're creating the global wealth gap as they destroy all the jobs that gave you a, a, a wage you could at least live on. And then it goes into Michael Fulilov, Executive Director of the Lowly Institute for International Policy. So you think you're voting for governments? No, these are the guys who run your governments. And you don't vote for any of them or, or the foundations that they work for. Or you've got nothing to do with the guys who finance these characters at the top. Yet they tell your governments what to do. Your government doesn't listen to you. They listen to these guys. This is called the parallel government, the combination of these organizations, foundations. That's what Thatcher called it. And she joined it up when she left politics. She talked about it. She's the, this is the real government. She's the, the world's greatest global governance challenge is to establish shared responsibility for the most intractable problems of our post-unipolar world. Must, that means post-American world. Much of the world chafed against the United States' enormous relative power in the first decade after the end of the, the Cold War. Many enjoyed its grievous overreach in the, the following decade, but now more capitals need to assume the role of responsible stakeholders that was urged on Beijing by Robert Zulik in 2005. China serves as the most pressing example of a country that must embrace its growing power in the international arena. And that's back to military, you understand. Beijing has been more active in its dealings with the international community in many positive ways, yet it's so far demurred from assuming the responsibilities incumbent on a global power, military again, and nurturing the international system it hopes to help to lead. 
See, so understand your future is all decided by people you have never met or even heard of. And you, don't, you, and, they, and you still go and vote for this joke that you're given. In every country, you still go and vote. They're all screened and put in by these characters like the CFR. In the UN Security Council chambers and other forums, China is increasingly willing to take the lead and behave more like a great power. On the other hand, it remains disengaged from issues that do not trespass directly on its core interests. It's largely preoccupied with project, protecting its interests and those of its allies rather than proje- projecting its influence or doing much to strengthen the international system. And then, of course, being the CFR, they go on about the Iran nuclear issue is only one example. Beijing's interests in Iran are not, of course, identical to Western interests. Well, it's not Western interests. It's the folk who, who are the dominant minority in the West. Because the West wasn't, wouldn't care two hoots about Iran having nuclear reactors and cheaper power. But somebody does, guess. It says, yet it's a key player in the international political and economic system. It's giving insufficient weight to the great risk posed by an Iranian nuclear bomb. <laughs> it says, China has char- changed the way it does business, but continues to define its national interests narrowly and pursue them with an uncompromising resolve. China wants respect, but not responsibility. It's reluctant to bind its own freedom of movements and subsume it within international institutions in the way the United States did after the Second World War. See, they're admitting here that the U.S. is a, is a, a system of governments and a system with a constitution threw it away by the traitors who signed on to the United Nations at the end of the Second World War. That's when it all really changed. It was, they tried to change it when FDR first got in, remember. They created a depression to make sure he got in with a coterie of, let's just call them communists. It's safer that way. But they all were actually card-carrying communist members. But that's how they got them in. Wall Street got their man in by creating the Great Depression. And they started it with communists to destroy what would be the great power, you see. Especially the, the old system of the old type with a, a pretty solid culture. Because everybody, everybody who went to America became American. Willingly and happily. Not like now. It says China's wealth and uh, power grows so its interests expand. A middle power foreign policy is inadequate for a great power. If China is to help run the international system, it has to a stake in strengthening it. I suggest respectfully that China and other rising powers need to strike a new balance between their traditional economic and security concerns and the broader imperatives they must now satisfy, including stable great power relations, non-proliferation, and developing their international prestige. The old principle applies, with great power comes great responsibility. You understand those who dominate the world also dominate China. I hope you understand that. It's the last thing you will think of. And it is. And here again, Council on Foreign Relations reveal how world government can be achieved in 2013. The Council on Foreign Relations and so on, established 1921 by the global elites, has publicized what it believes to be the challenges that need to be overcome to establish world government in 2013. In summary, the Council on Foreign Relations has sought the opinion of four globals from around the world on what are the greatest challenges the world faces that would prevent the formation of world government in 2013. Richard N. Haas, the President of Council on Foreign Relations, 
who's also a Bilderberg Group member as well. Yang Zeman, Trilateral Commission member 2010, and Igor Jurgens, Chairman of the Management Board, Institute Contemporary Development Russian Federation, Michael Fulolov, Executive Director of the Lowly Institute for International Policy again. It's astonishing these globalists claim that the emergence of world government will not occur if the following seven challenges are not overcome in 2013. Number one, the world needs to establish shared responsibility for the most intractable problems of our post-unipolar world. Therefore, the world governments to become a reality. China needs to play a greater role, as I just said, as a global power, the dollar, but a military role. Number two, to implement world governments essential to strengthen organizations like the United Nations, World Trade Organizations, International Monetary Fund, and the G20. None of these things uh, were voted on by any populace in any country. Just like the G20. This formed itself. This is uh, dangers of the new world order. Major powers need to begin engaging less prominent countries so that both major and minor players in the global political landscape can further the network governance principle. You ever heard of a network governance principle? Well, I'll put the link up tonight for you. Essentially, the key to world government in 2013 is for all countries to enter into new mindsets and functioning mechanisms, being a one-type mechanism system. Globally, trade needs to be more regulated. In 2013, government subsidies should be tackled at the global level as opposed to regional or bilateral level. And the world needs to begin harnessing regional efforts into common action on a global level. It's all standardization. Understand? Standardization. Just the internet needs to be more regulated. It's believed that governments should start maintaining the free flow of information on the internet to limit the amount of cyber aggression. Back with more after this break. Hi folks, we're back, cutting through the matrix. And you've got to understand too, this dominant minority, the ones who are now the dominant minority, uh, came out a long time ago with a war on every country they entered into. And um, in order to dominate and, and have your own culture established, you must destroy all the rest, you see. But part of it too was to do with their, a theory that they had. The people didn't like them because uh, of, of, of being mentally ill. No kidding, quite an amazing conclusion to come to. Everyone else was mentally ill. And I've gone through this before with um, quite a few of their different uh, organizations, foundations, etc., like the Frankfurt School. And you find people like Adorno, Theo Adorno, came out with uh, the authoritarian personality. He's quite explicit into why they were doing what they were doing. And this, they got permission to set up in, in the U.S., when they ran out of Germany, and uh, and continue his program there. And part of it, too, was they got a, a, a presidential authority to set up, along with the Macy Group, an alter American culture because they thought they could become Nazis. No kidding. And they also put in psychiatry. That was another weaponized thing. They, they dreamed up psychiatry to try, again, to try and establish everybody else was mentally ill except themselves, you see. And that's why they brought Freud forward. That was part of that technique as well. And they also claimed that the reason, I'm not kidding you, these are big, big, big foundations. They, they believed that um, the reason that the West really didn't like them too much 
uh, and, and really kept their cultures and wouldn't let them take over their culture was because they weren't having enough sex. That's why they pushed Freud out there about all these sexual theories. And so they try and make people uninhibited in the West. Well, they kept for their own group strictly to certain laws, very old laws, in fact, so that they wouldn't destroy themselves in the process. This is all fact, folks. Read it yourself. Read their own books. And I also came up with a theory before, but they even knew where the genes were, that it must be a genetic thing. A genetic thing, you see. And one day, they get get the perfect population of of slaves to serve them by altering all their their genetic codes and take in a certain one and put in another one and so on, making you very placid and happy. DNA of Sandy Hook killer Adam Lanza to be examined for evil gene in the first study of his kind ever conducted on a mass murderer. Ooh. So it says here, scientists have been asked to study the DNA of the Newtown school killer Adam Lanza to see if he's an, an evil, evil gene that's led him to carry out the massacre. The study which will look at any abnormalities or mutations in his individual DNA is believed to be the first of its kind carried out. Lanza slaughtered 20 children and so on, blah, 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 to make sure they get that little bit in there. And it says a 20-year-old uh, also shot his mother and so on, so on. So anyway... The massacre prompted Obama to look into new gun controls and banning assault rifles such as the Air 15 Bushmaster used by Lanza and his rampage. I'll put that up tonight too, along with the uh, Feinstein site, as I said too, because she's got a fascinating history herself. I mean, she's made billions along with her husband. She gets laws passed through the Senate and, and his private company gets all the deals. Uh, they got a deal with, was it India? I think it was. Uh, for a certain kind of trade that thing that she pushed through and direct in uh, 42 billion in their own company. It's not, not bad, not bad being in government if you're very, very special, isn't it? But you've all got bad genes, you see. And one day there won't be bad genes around anymore and these special folk make sure of it by giving themselves the rights to test all of you before you can have children. And I'm not kidding. This is old stuff, folks. Old stuff. From Hamish myself from Ontario, Canada, is good night to me. Your God or your gods go with you. <laughs>